September 19th is Back to Church Sunday. This is a national campaign. It's been going on for years. You probably didn't hear about it. But now that we're out of COVID and everything is back open, we want to really emphasize this. So we're going to be having some little cards we want you to pass out. We want you to be praying about who you can invite to church on Sunday the 19th. We're going to try to pack the place out. And so be inviting people. We'll give you some tools to help with that. On the 24th of September is Marriage Night. Uh, Right Now Ministries um, puts this on. They put it on last year. We're going to do it on Friday night, the 24th this year from 6.30 to 10 p.m. I'm telling you now so that you can go ahead and start getting babysitter. Um, We probably don't need to watch the younger kids up here till 10 o'clock at night. So if you can get a babysitter to watch your kids at home, that would be great. And then on October 10th, Every year we do one Sunday where we say, don't go to church, be the church. So this year, October 10th, the second Sunday in October, we will have, we'll actually have church on Saturday night, church out here in the parking lot on the 9th. And then on uh, Sunday, the 10th, we will actually go to a location. We'll tell you more about that as it's coming up. We're thinking that we're going to, we're going to take clothes. We're going to take food. We're going to have a cookout. We're going to have inflatables. We're going to do all of this stuff where we go and we clean up an area and, and we invite them to come and, and just have a great time. We want to bless their socks off. We're also going to have backpacks. The Southern Baptist Convention have given us a certain number of backpacks for free. We can buy more if we need them. We're going to be giving those out to you uh, beforehand and asking you to stuff those things so that on the 10th, when we invite those kids to come get their faces painted and all that stuff, we'll be able to give them a backpack and and we'll give you some guidelines, but whatever God leads you to do, if you want to put clothes in there, if you want to put you know a couple of gold bars in there, I don't know what you want to do, but you'll have the opportunity to do that. Now, I tell you all that because, because that's relevant to what we're going to talk about today. What we're talking about today is we're going to look at what happened right after Jesus uh, met the bad Samaritan. You've heard about the good Samaritan? Well, the bad Samaritan was the, the woman at the well who had, had five different husbands. The man she was living with at the moment was not her husband. And so Jesus sits down and he talks to her. Well, while he sits down, this is, this is orchestrated by God because he had three options. He was leaving Jerusalem. He was going back to Galilee where he hung out his hometown of Capernaum, his adopted hometown of Capernaum, right at the north point of the Sea of Galilee. He had three options. He could go the traditional route, which was actually cross crossing the Jordan River um, to the east side and going up to Galilee. He could go along the coastline or he could do what no good Jew would do and that's go straight through Samaria. And on this occasion, he chose to walk straight through Samaria because God had ordained that he meet this woman. And so if you know about the good Samaritan, you've heard the woman at the well. She's actually the bad Samaritan because of her lifestyle. But God had an appointment with her at the, at the well. So Jesus goes, he sits down, and it's, it's hot. It's in the afternoon. They're tired. They're hungry. So he sends the disciples into town to buy some food. And the woman comes up. Jesus has this whole conversation with her. It's a great story. You need to read it in John chapter 4. He he eventually gets her attention and she becomes a believer in Christ. And then she runs away as the disciples are coming back with food. She runs into town and tells everybody that I've met the savior. The whole town comes out and the Bible tells us almost the whole town believes in Christ because the bad Samaritan met Jesus and went and told everybody about Jesus. It was incredible. The disciples should have been doing that when they're buying food, but they missed the opportunity. Jesus sends this woman, this immoral woman into town. And the whole town comes out and they said, we believe because of her. Now we've met you. We believe because we've met you. The whole town comes to Christ because of this one woman being changed. Now, the disciples show back up. Look what it says in John 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. 
All right, we went into town. We got a Hebrew happy meal. That's hard to do in Samaria. There, there are no kosher places to buy food in Samaria. Jesus, eat something. Look what Jesus said. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. His, his answer surprised and confused him because it always surprised and confused him. Then the disciples looked at each other and they said, could someone have brought him food? He ate something. Our assignment was to get Jesus food. Who brought him? Who's, who's teacher's pet? Who brought him food? As usual, the disciples were thinking physically, and Jesus was speaking spiritually. This happened all the time. They offered him physical food. He, he gave them spiritual instruction. Look what he says. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Some of you are starving spiritually because you're focused on the physical, and you're completely missing the spiritual. And Jesus has a word for you today. Now, this does not mean that Jesus has no need of physical food. What it means is his passion was for doing God's will. And if you go all the way back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry in in Matthew chapter 4, it says that the Spirit led him into the wilderness to test him. There's only two reasons you should be in the wilderness. Either God's Spirit left you there, Or the other option is your sinful choices led you there. And there's two very different ways you respond to that. If it's your sinful choices, you better get on your face and repent and ask your heavenly father to forgive you and lead you out. If the Holy Spirit led you, led you there to be tested, you need to say, God, what do you need me to learn? And how quickly can I learn it? So I get out of this wilderness. Jesus comes out of the wilderness 40 days later. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He comes out and the tempter, the accuser of God's brethren shows up. Jesus had to be hungry and he said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus refused him. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, after 40 days, he was hungry, but the tempter slides in. He says, I want you to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Had Jesus turned the rocks into bread, he had the power to do it, but it wasn't God's will. And he would have been disqualified by meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Sin always disqualifies you from service. Meeting physical needs at the, at the cost of your spiritual needs always disqualifies you from serving. Jesus wasn't going to let a physical need disqualify him from doing his father's will. So we see this here in John chapter 4. Jesus' priority was always spiritual, not physical. He always prioritized the spiritual over the physical. And when, when everybody else is going, feed me, feed me, feed me, fill me, fill me, fill me, here's what Jesus says. My, what fills me is to fill others. Ah. If you ever leave church unfulfilled, there's, there's probably two reasons. Number one, you miss the Savior because the Savior will always fill you. And number two, probably more likely, you were focusing on yourself and not filling someone else. I didn't get anything out of worship today. Well, you miss Jesus. Worship isn't about you. It's about him. And the times that I'm most filled are when I spend my time filling others. Go home totally fulfilled. See, the disciples, they were concerned about taking care of themselves. And that's natural. It is natural to think about yourself. But Jesus was concerned with others. And that's supernatural. He was nourished in a way that is beyond our ability to understand because he filled the needs of others. 
And we just have to own up to the fact that we are dominated by the natural, not the supernatural. And when we get in trouble, when you and I get in trouble, it's when we try to meet those legitimate needs. Hunger's a legitimate need, but you don't meet it in an illegitimate way. Sexual fulfillment, legitimate need, but you do not fulfill it in an illegitimate way. And it all started with Adam and Eve. Now, we're going to get into, in August, we're going to do this series called Counterattack, Taking Back Ground Lost to Sin or Lost to the Enemy of God. And we're going to come back to this story. But in, in the very first human couple in the Garden of Eden, the, the, the serpent comes up to Eve and said, look at the fruit. Look at the one thing you can't have. The fruit was good. It was good looking. And so she decided to take it. She decided to say, forget you, God. I'm going to meet my need my way. And then she turns to her husband right there. He goes, yeah, baby, let's eat some apples. I don't know. It wasn't probably wasn't apples. We don't know. Let's have some good fruit. And the enemy says, gotcha. You met it in an Ill- illegitimate way. And now the whole world is going to be in trouble because of you. So let me ask you this question. Um, how many times have you heard someone say, well, she's a good person or he's a good person. You hear that all the time, right? Can I drop a bomb from the word of God on you today? You are not a good person. She is not a good person. I'm not a good person according to scripture. Because Romans says this, no one is righteous, not even one. If we were a good person, Jesus wouldn't have to die. There's none. There are no righteous. We're sinful. We're selfish. We're self-centered. You know, the, the uh, veggie tales like, you are so selfish. We need that voice. And, and we come out this way. It's natural. When is the last time that you had to give a two-year-old selfish lessons? You give them a toy before bed and you say, you got five minutes when the timer goes off. Now, I know this goes against your kind sharing nature to obey me with all of your heart. But when I give you this and the timer goes off in five minutes and I go to take it from you, I want you to scream, mine, mine, mine. Do you have to teach a kid to do that? No, you have to beat their butt until, I'm sorry, you have to... uh, Give them an attitude adjustment somewhere about three feet, well, two feet below their neck. That comes naturally. It's natural to think about yourself. It's supernatural to think about others. Jesus says, I have a higher calling than what's in it for me. I want to contribute to the lives of others. And if that's Jesus calling, guess what? It's your calling too. Now, when I was growing up, McDonald's had a little theme song where they told you the ingredients of the Big Mac. And this is what they said. Do y'all remember? Anybody know? Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. It was just great. We used to sing this all the time. And and I would sing it to my mom. And we didn't have McDonald's in my town. It was 45 minutes away. So about the same distance as, as Tyler. And so we would go to Amarillo. I always wanted to go, Big Mac. I need a Big Mac, mama. And, and see, that their promise to you was every time you came into a store, no matter where it was in the nation, two all beef patties, uh, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame bun, every, sesame seed bun, every time, guaranteed. And then something happened in 1973 that rocked the hamburger world. Burger King changed the rules. What is Burger King's slogan? Have it your way at Burger King. Before Burger King, a hamburger had two tomatoes, four pickles, lettuce, onions. No matter what you wanted on it, Burger King, though, this was awesome. This is actually their slogan. Put it up there. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders, don't upset us. Yes! 
Now, some of you don't get it, but this was life-changing. I walk in. I'm in charge. My mom used to tell me when we'd go to McDonald's, don't you dare order a Big Mac without it the way it comes because it would take forever. Mom's like, we got to get in here, get this nasty food and get home, right? Don't you, don't you order Burger King, mama? Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. Some of you don't get it, but trust me, this was powerful back in the day. It changed everything. You were in control. I want extra pickles. I don't want pickles. I want mustard. I want mayo. I'm in charge. Now, there's nothing wrong with good customer service. Not against that. But we've become a consumer-minded society, and that, that mindset has invaded the church. Give me what I want, or I'm out the door. Well, that's, that's the motto of this video. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I don't know who sets the worship center temperature, but why does it have to be so cold? Why do you have to be so right? Heated chairs are now being installed. This one wants a small church, but I'm afraid if it's too small, they're going to make me volunteer like crazy. And I don't stack chairs, do I? Makes total sense. Join now and we'll let you decide the size of our church. We're millennials, and we want a church that... Say no more. Any requests you have will be granted immediately. Parking is horrible. It takes me almost six minutes to get from my car to the building. Ugh. It's going to take me six seconds to tell you a valet service is on the way. My pastor's preaching, it's all over the map. I say, oh, I don't know, stick with the books of the Bible. We should be only exegetical. Okay, next week we start John chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll even start pronouncing that word the way you said it. Hey, I'd like this sermon to be no longer than 30 minutes. How does 15 minutes sound? Hey, anybody willing to go to 15 should be willing to go to 10. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. But from now on, five-minute sermons it is. <laughs> now you're talking. Me, church, where it's all about you. It's really common for people to say, you know, I've been visiting churches and I just can't find one that meets my needs. And you're like, well, how many churches have you been to? 79, 80, I don't know. I can't find one that meets my needs. Well, let me draw a very clear line in the sand today. Nowhere in scripture does it say that a church is supposed to meet your needs. What the scripture says is you find a church that's under the authority of God that teaches clearly the word of God. You get involved in that church. You serve in that church and that's how you change the world. And if you don't like that, there's an exit here. There's a couple of doors there. It, we might even let security escort you down to the front exit closest to 155. You can walk outside and don't let the door hit you in the butt when you go. Because if you think church is all about you, you're not going to be happy here. And we're really not going to be happy with you here. So you're free to go now. And we might cheer for you as you go. Life is just too short to please everyone. I'm 56 years old. I was laying in bed last night. And I thought, I'm way over the hill. I'm not middle-aged unless I'm going to be 112. 
I mean, the Lord could let me be 112, but I'm like, I don't want to be here that long. The things that have happened in my lifetime, I just want to go on sometime. Now, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So as long as he leaves me here, I want to teach the truth. And, but, but this is not a church where we're going to spoon feed, spoon feed you so that you become this big, fat, baby Christian. Ah, feed me, feed me, feed me. When we started New Life, next year will be 20 years that we started New Life, there were 122 churches inside the city limits of Palestine. And if you can't find a church out of 122, maybe the church isn't the problem. So we're just drawing a line in, in the sand. We're saying at New Life, we're not going to be consumers. Nowhere in Scripture are you supposed to consume. At New Life, we're going to be contributors. Because the church does not exist for us. The church is us. The church exists for the world. And so for us to be like Jesus, we have to understand that my nourishment is to do his will and finish the work that he's given to me. That's how I grow up spiritually. So doing his will nourishes us. Now, if you notice, if you have the listening guide, there is a scale of one to 10, and we're going to put that, go ahead and put that up there if you would, Gary. So let me explain this. Don't do anything yet. Let me explain this. Um, do not circle a 10 unless you gave your life on the cross for the sins of the world and was resurrected on the third day. And if you're confused about that, look at somebody next to you and say, am, am I Jesus? And they'll go, ha, 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 you're not Jesus. Do not circle a 10. All right, now hang on. Don't circle anything yet. If you walked in and dropped off your children to someone else who is serving you and you're not serving anywhere at all in the church, but you benefit from someone else's service, hold on. If you come on Sunday mornings and maybe you get a free donut, a cup of coffee, you consumed something free, you sat down in a chair that you did not pay for because these chairs were paid off years ago and you're in a building that's cooled by air conditioning that was paid for by someone else and you don't give an offering, you come every Sunday and all you do is consume and consume and consume, then you're going to circle a two. We would say one, but that's the devil, and we're going to give you a little bit of grace and not let you be Satan. We're going to give you a two. Let's say one time you helped in kids' church and you came out with your eyes wide and, you know, your hair all... Or let's say that you came to one work day, or maybe you baked a cake one time for a funeral. You get to be a three. Now, we have some folks in here that every time the doors are open, they are here. They are seriously all in, serving in two or three places. They're praying for the church, praying for the leaders. Um, they bring people, inviting people all the time. They're all in. You're an eight or a nine. You're not Jesus. Don't think you are. You're an eight or a nine. Now, at this moment, whether you're online or whether you're in the room, nobody should be looking up here. You're either looking at your scale or if you're online and you got the guts, I'm going to ask you to type it online. What number you think you are? You should be doing some serious introspection right now. What is your number? Quit looking at me. Do what you're told. I'm not doing what I'm told. Well, you have the spirit of Jezebel. Um, we'll get into that in the, in the next series too. If you're a six or below, you need to pay attention because I believe the Lord has a message for you today. Because there's two things on your listening guide, just two, the number one and number two, there's other stuff. But here's, here's what, God is calling you to serve in his church. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're gifted, you're called, you're set apart to use your gifts to make the difference in a church. God never intended for the church to be a building 
He always intended for the church to be his people. We don't go to church. We are the church. So we really should say, I'm going to worship with my church. In fact, on August 29th, we're going to worship with our church at Lakeview Methodist Camp. Wherever the church is gathered, that, that's the people, not the building. When Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, Christians couldn't even have buildings. It was illegal. It wasn't until 313 AD when Constantine legalized Christianity that they could start having church buildings. Before that, illegal. And there was severe persecution of the church. And did you know that actually where there's, where there's severe persecution of the church, the, the good news of Jesus spreads like wildfire? And one of Satan's most... I think one of his, his best schemes is to legalize Christianity or make it the state religion because as soon as he does, apathy comes into the church and, and people have offices that say, I'm better than your, your office and, and give me your money. It's crazy. Go to, go to China and watch how Christianity is spreading like wildfire and they can die. That's what was happening in the first century. Now, I'm grateful that God has given us this building and, and we can meet any time we want, but this is not the building. Church was never, never was, never will be a building. It's the people. Now, the message for you is this in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. In his grace, talking about God, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Now, he's about to list seven spiritual gifts. This is not an exhaustive list. That means not, these aren't all the spiritual gifts. You compare all of the lists in the scripture, there's different ones. And, and so there's at least 19. It depends on how you count them or 21. But anyway, this is not an exhaustive list. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now just leave that up there, Gary, because I'm going to let them reference that as we go along. Now, let's say that all of us go to a really nice restaurant after church today, and I order apple pie for dessert. Now, you cannot, in good conscience, eat apple pie without a scoop of bluebell on the top. I don't care what that other stuff is. It's not ice cream. So I get my pie hot, and I put a scoop of bluebell on top. And as it's cascading down the side, I say, God is good. Right? And I want a little, I have to have enough ice cream that I get a little scoop of ice cream, melted ice cream with every bit of apple pie. And it's just, ha ah. But now, you notice that when my waiter comes, waitress, waiter, my server comes and puts the apple pie down, it's dangerously close to the edge. Now, if you're a helper, you want to say, hey, move that. But let's just say that you're the helper and, you're, and you're, your husband or your, your spouse is a jerk and they grab your arm and say, nope, let's see what happens. All right? Let, so I go, and you're like, ah, I go with my spoon, because if you're going to get ice cream, and, and you, know, you got to have a spoon, not a fork. Don't bring me the wrong utensil. You take a bite, and as I do, the pie flops in my lap. Ice cream and everything. Now, if this really happens to me, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick it up and start eating. <laughs> I worry about my lap later, because Bluebell is from heaven, right? Okay, so I'm going to worry about that later. But let's, let's say... That your first reaction is to say, oh my goodness, that's horrible. And you start collecting napkins and you start wiping things up and, and you start telling people, come help us. You probably have the gift of serving. So like in this first list, you're a server. You, you love to serve. If you say, oh man, I can't believe that happened. 
Let me buy you another piece of pie to make you feel better. You probably have the gift of giving. Or you might buy the whole pie. I just want you to feel better. I'm going to give you this pie. If you say, um, hey, don't worry about it. You go get this. You go get this. Come on, come on. Let's get this done. Somebody clean this up. Somebody do this. Somebody get him new clothes. Wash your clothes. If you know somebody like that, point at them right now. They're telling you, stop pointing at me. Right? That's okay. They have the gift of leadership or administration. They're bossy, but you know, as long as they're under the authority of the Holy Spirit, it's okay. Their bossiness is okay. There's many times that the unholy spirit takes over. We can, we can point that out to them. If you say, oh no, I can't believe that happened. Um, oh wait, I skipped that. Oh, if you're this guy, if you say, oh man, that's funny. That happened to me the other day. In fact, watch this. Isn't that funny? You're an encourager. You just want somebody to feel good. Let's both have bluebell on our laps then you have the gift of encouragement. If you would say, I cannot even do this with a straight face because I have none of this next gift. If you say, oh, I hurt with you. (laughs) I can't even do that. I feel so bad that it aches. This is Teresa Gillis, by the way. She has the gift of empathy. She, She just hurts with people. And I'm over here, I do not have this gift. It's a zero on my scale. Some of you would, some of you would say, you know what? There's actually a better way to eat pie. I've got a chart with seven, seven steps to better pie eating. In fact, did you know the Hebrew word translated for apple pie is haka shamaka? I'm just making that up, by the way. You probably have the gift of teaching, Right? And then somebody's going to go, you idiot. Anybody could see it was about to fall on your lap. And we just wanted to know how dumb you were. So we let you go through with it. You have the gift of prophecy and you just tell it like it is. (laughs) You don't care. (laughs) If God has given, if, if you're a Christ follower, you have at least, the scripture says you have at least one spiritual gift. Here's the thing, a spiritual gift, the Bible is very clear, comes from God. He gets to decide who gets what. There should be no spiritual gift envy because there's not one greater than than another. If it all comes from the Holy Spirit, if he decides what you get, you have at least one. And your gift is not for you. The gift is for the church. It says to build up the body of Christ. And if you don't use your gift, you're going to lose it and God will find somebody who will be obedient and he will replace you. Don't think you're irreplaceable. God can always, God can create. They, they gave Jesus a hard time because when he came in with the triumphal entry, they're saying, can you believe these people are yelling? He goes, hey, if they quit yelling, the rocks are going to cry out because I'm king. He can raise up somebody else to take your place. If you're not doing anything in a church, there's something that God wants you to do that's not getting done in our church, and it's time you step up. Number two, God wants you to serve as his church. Not only in the church, but as the church. And as you serve God and his church, the world gets built up. Some of y'all are wondering why this salt was here. This is, you're about to find out. If I had watermelon, that's why it would be here, but it's, I don't. Jesus said this in his very first sermon, Matthew five thirteen: You are the salt of the earth. 
But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Now, our salt doesn't lose its flavor. Back then, they didn't have preservatives. And so literally, it would just, can you imagine these little white crystals if they don't have any flavor? When my dad was older, he couldn't have salt. And so we gave him salt substitute. And he was always sneaking in the kitchen because he would take that salt substitute and he would just keep going, keep going, keep going. He'd go, something's wrong with this salt. And we're like, yeah, dad, no, it tastes good to me. If the salt never leaves the salt shaker, if it never makes contact with the food, it does no good. He says, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out, trampled underfoot. It's worthless. I forgot my phone over here. Where'd it go? Somebody grab me a phone. I don't know where my phone is. I know. Somebody just turn on your flashlight and bring it to me. You are the light of the world. Hey, yeah, we got a whole bunch of them coming. There you go. You're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Okay. You ever, you ever see somebody that they're, they're walking along and they leave their light on? <laughs> or you put it in the pocket and you're going, hey, oops, I think my pants are too thick. And you're like, your flashlight's on. And like, oh my goodness, I didn't know. It's pretty dumb, right? Who would have a flashlight and go around like this? Who would follow Jesus and not let anybody know? Oh, we do it all the time. Your light's shining. Oh, I didn't mean for that to happen. Not at work. Not at school. Are you kidding me? I can't be a Christ follower at school. My light, whoops. I don't want anybody to know. Get back in a minute. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Here it is. In the same way, let your light shine before, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. We're about to go down to Louisiana and we're going to shine the light of Jesus. And while we're in Louisiana, Casey's going to be back here shining the light of Jesus right here for people who can't go to Louisiana. But we're not supposed to shine light just while we're in church. We're supposed to shine the light wherever we go. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. What? Christ followers all the time hide it under a bushel. One thing that salt does is it delays rot. And the church, new life, is supposed to delay rot in this world. And the only way we can do that is if we come into contact with people who are far from God. Some of you don't know this. Our, our statement as a church is, we're here to reach people who are far from God. Help them connect with God and with other people. We can't do that if people are hiding their lights. If they're refusing to make friends with somebody who's outside the family of God. The church is supposed to be a light. It drives away darkness. So here's, here's what I want you to take away from today. New life is supposed to be in the community, delaying rot and driving away darkness. We don't do that by sitting on our rears in here and doing nothing else. We do it by our good deeds. We, we let our light shine in such a way that people see our good works and they glorify our Father who's in heaven. Now here is when you're disqualified. If you try to use one of your spiritual gifts to shine the light on you, look at me. I got this gift. That's from hell. You're following your father, the devil. But if you say, look at my heavenly father, here's the way. Here's the way. 
then you're letting your light shine in such a way. So how are we going to do that? Through marriage night. We're going to do it through back to church Sunday. We're going to do it through be the church Sunday. We've got opportunities to go outside these walls. We're doing it next week in Lake Charles. We're going to come back and we're going to be on fire. And the people who go to Lake Charles, we're going to be connected because we're doing something in the name of Christ. Why would we go across state lines? Well, they've had all of these natural disasters in the last 15 months five or six, I can't remember. In 15 months, two hurricanes have hit Lake Charles. And so there's, they've had groups come that, that don't really have a lot of skills. And so they, they can do destruction. They can go in and and knock sheetrock down and pull that out. Doesn't take any skill. They've had very few groups come that know how to hang sheetrock. They, they have very few groups that can cut down big trees with chainsaws. So this cracks, it's actually sad. They're like, I had, them, I had my uh, talk on Friday with our praying pelican uh, leadership, and they're like, the church is so excited that you're coming because you've got some skills. That, that was their exact words to me. We're going to go down, we're going to help some people, and if people ask us why, we're going to say, because God loves us, and God has blessed us, and we want to be a blessing to you. We're going to hand out 10 different baskets of food and we're going to got a shopping list and we're going to go to different places, folks that are destitute. They got nothing. We're going to go into their house, offer them a basket of food that'll last maybe a couple of weeks. And we're going to say, can we pray with you? If they say yes, we're going to pray. You let us know right now, what can we pray for? We are going to shine God's light in individual houses in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and we're going to come back different. We're going to come back nourished. Because, because spiritually you're nourished when you serve others, when you fill others. So if you're constantly frustrated with your spiritual life, I'm guessing you're way down there closer to a number two than you are to a number eight. Jesus said, my will is to do God's will and to finish the work. He said, that's my food that fills me up. We're not saved by good works. That's a lie from hell. But the Bible says when we are saved, God expects us to do good works and to shine our light. We're expected to make a difference. So we, we do good things outside these walls and we, we point to Jesus. Now, so here's my question. In the last seven days, how many people would know by the way you've lived that you're a fully devoted follower of Christ? That your, your mission is to delay rot And to bring light into darkness. How many people can see that you're giving and serving and making a difference in the lives of other people who are not Jesus followers? The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes. And then the Bible also says how can they believe if they've never heard and how can they hear if no one ever tells them? I want to be a part of a church that loves others more than they love themselves. I want to be a part of a church who serves others more than we've been served. I want to be part of a church that gives more than they receive. I want to be a part of a church where every single person serves in the church and serves as the church. I don't want to be a part of a normal church because normal isn't working. I want to be a part of a debt-free church filled with debt-free Christians because when you're debt-free, you can do things for God that you can't do when you have debt. A church where marriages are honored and built up. A church where any lost person can come in on any Sunday and they can hear very clearly the message of Jesus Christ and understand. No matter what they look like, smell like, act like, we love them like God loves us. 
I want to be a part of a church where if we had to close the doors, the community would be sad because we're doing so much outside the walls of this church that they would miss us. Jesus said, I have food that many people don't understand. He says, what fills me is to do the work of God and to impact the lives of others. So here's my question. How many of you need to be more of a spiritual contributor than you have been over the last few weeks or months? Let me see your hands. Takes a decision. I want you to know that Jesus didn't love religious people. He walked right past religious people. And he went to hang out with people who were far from God. He knew who he was. He knew his mission was to to spread salt and, and bring light. And so he didn't allow the people far from God to compromise his morals. It's the difference in a, in a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer goes in and all it does is measures the temperature of the room. It, it gets to the same temperature as everything around it. A thermostat says, I'm going to change the temperature. I'm going to delay rot. I'm going to bring light into darkness. And I do that in such a way that people say, that church knows God, and I want to be a part of it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that you didn't leave us all alone. You gave us all the instruction we need. The Bible says you've given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of you who called us by your own glory and goodness. So speak to us and raise us up to be people who will delay rot and, and spread light into darkness. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have two baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. It's how we give it new life. And, and just by the way, a portion of what you give goes to missions. So when we go down to um, Lake Charles, we already have money in the budget set aside to buy these, these 10 gift baskets for the, for the folks. So a portion of what you give goes to missions here with what we do, as well as we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. So part of it goes to the cooperative program. All that means is all of these thousands and thousands of Baptist churches send in and there's, there's domestic mission, missions and there's international missions. So part of what we do, we send into them. It goes all around the world, raising up missionaries to bring light into darkness. So your giving not only keeps these lights on, but your giving literally functions as, as a light around the world. So thank you for your, your incredible um, dedication to, to, to serving God and to giving to his kingdom. We have a second basket at the back. It is our uh, registration card basket. It is, so we're weird. If you hadn't figured that out, if you're a guest, we're weird. We make noises. And so I'm going to try that again. We have a registration card basket. Okay, so well, I don't know why we started that, but we did. Um, if you have prayer concerns, write that on the back. If you are interested in small groups, we're going to be cranking back up small groups in the fall. Um, if you're interested in men's Bible study, women's Bible study, there's several things on there. You can check that, put it back in that basket back there. Prayer concerns only come to me unless you say it's okay to share, and then I have a, a group of people that I share that with, and, and we pray over your prayer concerns. Stand up, hug four people, tell them you love them, get out of here. Man, that's straight up 11 o'clock. Look at that. Bye. <laughs>